You're listening to Marketing Spark, the podcast that delivers insight, tools, and tips from marketers and entrepreneurs in the trenches in 25 minutes, more or less. LinkedIn has had quite the year, emerging as an engaging social platform that drives content, connections, and conversations, and shedding its reputation as a place for headhunters and job seekers. So how did this happen? To find out, I reached out to Liam Darmody, Director of Revenue Operations for HomeSnap. Liam has established himself as a leading voice on LinkedIn and, as important, a go-to resource for people looking to capitalize on LinkedIn. Given LinkedIn's growth this year and how people are using it, I wanted to connect with Liam to look back and, as important, look forward. Welcome to Marketing Spark. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. First, happy holidays. I hope you're uh, enjoying some time off before we get back into it next week. I am indeed. Uh, same to you. I uh, I've taken the week to uh, just kind of decompress from craziest year ever and uh, take it in, and then prepare for for the upcoming year, which hopefully will be much better. Can't really do worse, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, if you, both of us are half full, uh, kind of glass full kind of people, so hopefully it will be a better, better, happier, and healthier year. So you and I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. It's been awesome this year, and we're going to talk a lot about the platform and how it's evolved and how to get value out of it. But before we do that, when you're not on LinkedIn, and it seems to be like you're on it a lot like I am, what's your day job? I've been in the technology startup scene here in Washington, D.C. area for um, pretty much my entire career. I graduated from college here in 2005, started out as a recruiter uh, at a startup tech firm, and then uh, went to work for a few different startups in the area. And I've always kind of been the sort of jack of all trades, master of none so to speak, uh, which is a good thing for a lot of startups because things change so quickly and, you know, it's always kind of a moving target and you need people that can be agile and, you know, really adaptable. So that's kind of how I got into the role that I'm in now. Uh, I've evolved sort of over the years to be in revenue operations. Currently, I'm working for a company called uh, HomeSnap, which is a real estate productivity tool for agents, uh, realtors. We're responsible basically there for uh, aligning sort of sales, marketing, and customer success and customer support uh, teams, kind of like a project management function within the organization. It's a great great company, phenomenal culture. I love it there. You know, we're, we're, uh, we had a banner year this year and we're looking for a really great year in 2021. So that's that's been really exciting for me. Uh, operations is, is a passion of mine because I like solving problems and I like people and I like communicating and collaborating. And that's really what operations is mostly about in my experience. So LinkedIn to me has been a very interesting place. Now, prior to the end of April, when I lost my job due to the pandemic, I didn't spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. It was a place where I would go from time to time, maybe if when I was looking for a job or just poking around, it wasn't a place where I looked for content. It certainly wasn't a place where I I had lots of connections, but most of those people I had met at conferences or had, you know, they were friends and things like that. When I was footloose and fancy free from an employment perspective, there wasn't many places to go. So for whatever reason, I decided to check out LinkedIn. I got hooked. Like a lot of people, I spent a lot of time there and have really seen the benefits. And as someone who, like me, spends a lot of time there and focuses on best practices and really how to get value out of it, what's your take on how LinkedIn has evolved this year? And how and why has it become a social network? Because in many respects, I think that Microsoft, which owns LinkedIn, has to be surprised by how LinkedIn has grown and how people are using it. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, there's so many stories of companies that are in the digital space that this was a banner year, right? Bringing people together and having people, you know, relate to one another is something that 
if you if you have a platform that enables that, it's a really good thing. <laughs> 2020 was a good year for those companies. You know, I think was Microsoft surprised? Perhaps I think there's always I, I, I sometimes say that LinkedIn kind of has a bit of an identity crisis because, you know, you've got this platform that was created in 2004. So it's been around for such a long time. You've got 700 million users on the platform, but a fraction of those users are, are monthly active users and an even smaller percentage, you know, single digit percentage of users are creating content on the platform. And so there's this weird sort of stigma associated with LinkedIn where you're not supposed to post on there. You're not supposed to show emotion, right? It's a professional network. You know, you're supposed to just put your resume, park your resume on there and make sure that you stay in touch with people that you've worked with. But LinkedIn has has sort of coined the phrase join the conversation for some years now. Uh, and I remember when I first heard it, I was kind of like, what? Join the conversation? What conversation? There's nothing, right. happening. There's nothing happening on LinkedIn. But now it's really starting to sort of take stride, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people genuinely are becoming a little bit more comfortable showing their personal side in, in a professional social network. The fact that we are all hunkered down for the most part, you know, networking. And, and I mean, I loved nothing more than being in the office and the banter of the office and running into somebody in the coffee room or the kitchen and going to lunch with people and all of those things that make the professional workplace somewhat personal and enjoyable are gone, right? Like you just can't replicate them really, at least not as not as effectively. To me, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people have sort of found LinkedIn and sort of discovered, oh, well, we can have those types of conversations. We can have those interactions with people on this platform and, and really kind of get some of that water cooler banter. One of the things that I find interesting is the number of conversations, the number of connections and conversations. So the fact that you and I are doing this podcast is a direct correlation to our activity on LinkedIn. We've connected, we yep. comment each other's posts, we go back and forth a lot. And people's willingness to be engaged and as important to have conversations is really impressive. Like I've reached, I probably had more than a hundred conversations this year via LinkedIn as a result of LinkedIn. It's been amazing. Let's say I've talked to people all over the world, but what I do wonder about is what happens when hopefully soon COVID fades into the background and we start to go back to the office, even in a hybrid kind of way, when you do get that interactions with with your fellow employees, when you can go to events, do you think that what we're seeing on LinkedIn today will continue? It's almost like we've given each other permission to connect with each other virtually. And I think that's one of the most impressive things. That's that's a good question. And I know a lot of people are sort of thinking about it right now. Personally, you know, I, 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 I sort of, I think about all of the other industries that have been impacted by technological advancements and, and and the internet, right? Once people have a taste of what it's like to use LinkedIn in the way that you and I have this year, traditional networking just doesn't necessarily make quite as much sense, right? It, it's, it's a lot more labor intensive. You go to a networking event and you see maybe 200 people and you walk in, you're like, okay, well, I'm here for two hours. I can probably have a dozen conversations. And of those dozen, maybe two or three turn into something that makes a lot of sense. And then you have to sort of think, well, who do I want to talk to? And you're scanning the room. And it's just, it's an old school approach, right? It's it's an inefficient, and leave it to an operations guy to sort of figure out like that's inefficient, right? You look at other companies or other industries, right? When, you know, you started to be able to do online banking, people were terrified of online banking, right? They didn't want to have their details on the internet. And, and now, you know, when's the last time you went and saw a bank teller or, you know, used an ATM hailing a, you know, now that Uber exists, hailing a cab with your hand just doesn't make sense. It's, it's just, 
why, why would you have to wait for somebody to drive by you and pick you up? Right. And I think that that networking is kind of like that. Right. And, and, and to take it a step further, LinkedIn is, is essentially like the, the world's largest networking event, right? It's 24 seven, 365. If you want it to be, it, it, it has no geographic limitations whatsoever. And you have the added advantage of being able to learn a little bit about somebody before you decide to reach out and introduce yourself. And that is something that you don't get at networking events, really. And, and that is where I think the real value lies, uh, is that you, you can sort of curate your own network and you can expand your network globally, right? And as, as we continue with the work from home, the, the fact that so many companies are, are comfortable with people working from home now, or, or maybe not comfortable, but have to deal with it means that you want to have a global network. You want to have more people that are in interested in the things that you are in different places because geographic location no longer matters as much. It's not as limiting as it once was. So that that's kind of I think people will continue to do it, especially younger generations, right? I think that's the other thing. You've got, you know, people that are in their 20s right now going into the business world, they're used to living their life online. They're they're not used to holding back. I think that will actually drive a lot more conversation on the platform and, and utilization. And I think those who participate are going to benefit a, bu- a bunch. And those who do not are, are going to maybe regret it a little bit. Yeah, the one thing that struck me is before COVID, I'm a marketing consultant and I have to do a lot of prospecting and meet with people. And the amount of time and energy that I spent meeting people for coffee. So you got to you got to get there. You got to do the coffee meeting and maybe it works out and you have a great hour long conversation or maybe you're 20 minutes in and you re- realize that it's not going anywhere or this isn't really a good connection. And then you got to come all the way back and it's it's two or three hours out of your day. And now I think about it and I do wonder whether I'll ever have a coffee meeting with someone again, unless they're a really great prospect, <laughs> unless like, it's really somebody about meet because we can do that. We can get this connection. We can really uh, establish a relationship. So a couple of questions for you, just shifting gears in terms, terms of how you and I use LinkedIn is a, how long have you been active on LinkedIn and we can define active in different ways. And what's been your approach this year? Do you have, have you had sort of a, a strategy or has it just kind of evolved as you've, as you've gone through the year? Um, so I've been on LinkedIn as long as I can remember, really. I think I, I don't I think it was created in 2003 and I probably was on it no later than 2005 or 2006. I suspect that I was probably on it in college, definitely in 2006, but active the way that I am now only this year. You know, a lot of that stems from the fact that I, I, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. I had uh, my wife and I had our daughter in 2019. So about a year ago, she was born in November. I was at home and I was thinking, you know, I keep seeing all this content on LinkedIn and I want to learn more about why this trend is happening and why people are taking to LinkedIn. And so I spent a lot of time on the platform in that month, kind of just absorbing and learning. And then in January, my sort of resolution was to, one of my resolutions was to just become a bit more active and build a personal brand, right? You start hearing this term personal branding, right? It's a big buzzword right now, certainly on the LinkedIn network. So I wanted to learn more about it and see if I could sort of take a crack at establishing one. I, I went all in and I, I, I sort of fell out of love with with Facebook and Instagram, kind of just post pictures for my family to see my, my kids and whatnot. But LinkedIn was a place where I was genuinely finding meaningful information, you know, not just Forbes articles, right? Like people, thought leaders, people that, you know, you've got Gary Vaynerchuk posting stuff on LinkedIn all the time because he's talking about how massive the organic reach is on that platform. You know, that's where you sort of go to find information about things you're passionate about. And I think for people like myself, you know, that's really useful, right? I, I want I want to be learning about things that I'm passionate about, things that I care about. Uh, and, and I like the professionalism element of it because it sort of is self-regulated. 
right? Because people don't want to see, people don't want their employers to see them being jerks online, right? Cats. And, and yeah. And so there's a, there's an element of, you know, it, it levels up the content a little bit. Now that's not to say that there isn't plenty of clickbaity spam content that's that's permeating the, the platform. But for the most part, you know, you just unfollow people or, you know, you can get rid of that stuff. And so you can really curate your feed on LinkedIn to be pretty relevant to topics that you care about and people that you care about, uh, which which for me was really, really beneficial this year. Strategy wise, you know, I, I coined a phrase, uh, which is which is pace equals growth. Uh, and that's patience, authenticity, consistency, and empathy equals growth on LinkedIn. And, and you know, putting out content, uh, not overthinking it too much, right? I think that was something that I struggled with a lot in the beginning. Oh, what are people going to think? And, and not having to worry about dealing with likes and things like that. Like it's so you see all these people that are getting hundreds hundreds or thousands of reactions. And you're like, I want that to happen to me. But you you have to have patience, right? It has to happen uh, gradually. And you have to kind of establish the things that you care about and establish your voice. And so that's very much what 2020 has been for me. It's been a bit about finding out, you know, really, what are those things that I care the most about from a business standpoint? And for me, it's, it's, it's emotional intelligence, it's leadership and empathetic management, you know, uh, the, the human and human resources. And, and it's, it's personal branding and, and LinkedIn connection and connecting with other people. Those are the three things that I kind of have honed in on myself this year. And all of my topics in some way, shape or form, the content that I create relates to those. I've posted, I think, 535 posts in, in a year, um, which doesn't feel like that much, but, but I, guess, I guess it is. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's re- I, I say it's like replace Netflix and chill. Like sometimes I'm just LinkedIn and chill or I'll be Netflix and chilling and I'll have LinkedIn on in front of me and I'm doing two things at once and sort of digesting content. So it's become a hobby for me this yeah. year. And that's what's yeah. fun about it. Yeah. And I think what's, what's interesting to me is the content creation side. And you mentioned the fact that you, you've posted more than 500 times. And from the outside looking in, for a lot of people, that's astounding. They're like, you, you spent that much time. You wrote that many words for LinkedIn. And when you're in the midst of it and you're having these conversations and you're posting things that you don't really like, sometimes you snap something off and sometimes it's a big think. And I just find LinkedIn. To post on LinkedIn be relatively easy. Now, keep in mind, I'm a writer by profession. I spent 15 years as a reporter. So writing 200 words for a LinkedIn post is pretty easy. I mean, it's, you know, I can breathe and write 200 words. Now, whether those words are any good, that's something that other people can decide. The content creation side of it is really interesting to me because you've got people like Dan Sanchez that advocate that you've got to post every single day. And not only that, you've got to post more than once a day. That's a lot of work. I do curious about your approach to content and and what you think about how people should approach content overall, because if you're not really into LinkedIn and someone says you got to post every day, that can be pretty intimidating. You know, at the end of the day, I think it's really about not overthinking things, right? And and it's hard because it, it, there is that stigma associated with it. people think about LinkedIn differently than they think about Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, right? You know, back in the day, people would post multiple posts to Facebook every day and they wouldn't think twice about it. But there's all this pressure on on people to, to create the right content or content that their employer approves of or whatever. And so I think that that is a big piece of it, right? You want to be able to figure out what you, I call it finding your why, right? Like, why are you trying to be on LinkedIn? What are you trying to accomplish? What are your expectations? Do you want to be a thought leader in your space that just, you know, is constantly cranking out content related to that and and then getting followers? Do you want to just 
showcase how you think for potential employers to get more familiar with you, you know, if they're interested in learning about you? Do you just want to have a place to go and digest information? That's okay too, right? There's no right or wrong way. I think that's the thing, right? Like it depends on what your goals are and what your expectations are. And for me, what I noticed is that I started to use LinkedIn as a as an infotainment source. So I would learn information on LinkedIn. I'd, I'd learn different perspectives about business and things that I care about. I'd learn from other people. And that sort of ended up getting me entertained. And then as I was on here, you know, engaging with people's content, you know, the comment section of, of, a, of a person that has a large following is typically a pretty fun place to be. You can see all sorts of different perspectives. It's literally like a conversation, right? I, I kind of view each post on LinkedIn as this like little micro networking event, so to speak, or micro conversation. And, and, and that leads to inspiration, right? So you start thinking about, Oh, I like, this, I like this topic. And then I'll just have my running list of notes. And it's like, I'll, I'll write about this someday, or I'll write about this someday. And because LinkedIn has that, like, try not to overpost, you know, there's all that speculation about the algorithm and whether it dings you if you post too many times, etc. People think, okay, well, once a day, maybe twice a day, but not too much more than that. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. You're able to sort of think about, okay, well, I'm going to build a, a backlog of things that I want to post about as the inspiration hits. I always advise people to really understand what their why is. Find your why, find your inspiration, find your voice, and then find your tribe. Let the rest take care of itself. That's great advice. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is the biggest lessons that you've learned about LinkedIn this year. And for me, it's about conversations because I think there's such a focus on connections and building up that connection count and figuring out whether I should accept connections or who I should reach out to. The thing that I learned that sometimes gets lost within the whole LinkedIn growth phenomena, it's the fact that turning connections into conversations. And it's a simple act of reaching out to somebody like you and saying, hey, Liam, I love what you're doing. I love the kind of insight that you're offering about how to use LinkedIn. Would you be open to a conversation? What has amazed me this year is people's enthusiasm and their willingness to talk. And I have yet to be turned down by anyone. One person turned me down and, and I knew that person and I was totally surprised. I was like, well, this is not the way that the game is played on LinkedIn. My lesson to anybody is, boo. Not, yeah, boo, exactly. Don't be satisfied with connections because connections are are just one way to play the game. It's about the conversations that delivers value. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about some of the big lessons that you've learned this year from from being on LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you completely on the conversation piece. Sometimes it feels like LinkedIn is... A dating site is the wrong analogy because that's the antithesis of what LinkedIn should be, even though some men or people forget that that's the case. It is an opportunity to find and meet new people and, and, and develop relationships with people that you never would have known existed otherwise, right? Uh, I think the, the phenomenon is that we're no longer limited to our little bubble of who we come across coincidentally in our own geographic sphere. We now have the ability to say, oh, I, I really like this person's, like Mark, Mark's content really resonates with me. I, I'm going to connect with him. So I see it more often. And then, then we have a conversation about some stuff and we go back and forth in the DMs and like, it's like a friend finder a little bit. And, and I think that in the same way that when dating apps started, people were like, oh, I don't want to be online dating, online dating. No, I'm not going to do that. That's pathetic. Blah, 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 blah. But now, like nobody would think of going doing it the other way. It just the internet helps you connect with people better. You know, LinkedIn is helping you network and build a connection with people in a different way. And I think as the world continues to evolve into a place where physical location matters less than skill, ability, and 
relationships, that's going to be a pretty powerful thing for the platform. The lessons that I've, I've sort of learned are, are that people want to be, people want to connect. People want to converse. People want to relate to other people. Uh, some people don't, but you know, most people want to have those conversations around topics that they're passionate about. You can't really get that on other platforms, right? Because there's a discovery element that doesn't exist on the other platforms so much, right? On Facebook, you're kind of connecting with people that you know, and like you have the Facebook groups, which are phenomenal, actually, like their groups or their groups functionality is way better, in my experience than than LinkedIn's, you know, you are able to find people, you know, you find your tribe, that's, that's sort of the coin that was was the phrase that was coined by Brian Shulman, who's like the video king of LinkedIn. <laughs> um, it's right, right? You find a little tribe of people that you you like to talk to and, and engage with, and you enjoy their content and they enjoy yours. And that's really great. I guess on the on the flip side of that, you know, I think you I've learned that LinkedIn is a business platform and there are a lot of people there to do business. And a lot of people who are there to do business may just be putting content out or having a persona that they're they know is going to generate revenue for their business, but that's not necessarily their intention or that they're not necessarily there to be super authentic or they're just there to sell, right? They're not there to really make relationships. So it all depends about on, on uh, how you go about finding people and relating to people and conversing with people and uh, identifying what their true authenticity and their true intentions are. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about LinkedIn for people who aren't on LinkedIn yet, which is, I mean, there's 720 million people who have LinkedIn accounts, not to say that all of them use it on a regular basis. You really have to, going back to your your why, why do you want to use it? And to figure out like, how do you get value from LinkedIn, get the most out of the time that you're going to spend on it, whether it's an hour a day or once a week or a couple of days a week. I also wanted to ask you about something that you launched recently called LinkedIn Enthusiasts. I guess you're upping your game or you're expanding your game or you're moving into new areas. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what is this thing that you've created and why did you do it and where do you hope it will go? So, you know, LinkedIn enthusiasts is, is a, is a basically a, a page that I created for people that are passionate about the platform. Like I am. And there's a lot of people like that out there. And, you know, I think for me personally, LinkedIn isn't the only thing that I want to be talking about every day, right? That's not my identity. I care about start tech startups. I care about revenue operations, sales, marketing, customer experience, like all those aspects of business matter to me a lot. And what I found myself sort of thinking about was, okay, well, how much time do I want to spend talking about LinkedIn on my personal profile page versus a page that's dedicated just to LinkedIn? All of those things come into play, right? You know, you, I'm not the kind of person that creates content ahead of time. I, I, I write down ideas when I have inspiration, but I don't create an editorial calendar. I know people that sort of sit down on a Sunday and just bang out all their copy for the week. I can't yeah. do that. I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not that way. And so, yeah. you know, I sort of got to this point where I was saying, okay, well, how am I going to actually talk about the things that I want to talk about without feeling like there's an opportunity cost associated with it? If Liam Darmody is more than just LinkedIn enthusiast guy, that's who Liam Darmody is, right? But LinkedIn enthusiasm is part of my, part of my hobbies, part of my passion. And I, think that's why I carved it out separately so that I could post more stuff about LinkedIn without necessarily taking over my entire profile as just the LinkedIn guy. Like that's not who Liam Darmody is. It's just a piece of me. Well, the ironic thing about writing about LinkedIn is that people love commenting and engaging on LinkedIn right. and that you tend to get caught in this. It's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you want engagement, you post about LinkedIn and around and around it goes. I want to ask you one last question 
earlier this week, I talked a little bit about where I thought LinkedIn would go in 2021. And, and most of it was, was focused around monetization because I think Microsoft slash LinkedIn has a huge opportunity to extract more revenue from, from this business as the platform grows. And, and some of the things that they'll, that I think they'll introduce, I think video is a huge opportunity for LinkedIn. I think, I think analytics for personal accounts is a huge opportunity for them to add value and maybe monetize it. And curious about how you think the platform will evolve this year and whether monetization will be something that it will pursue and whether you expect maybe enhanced functionality. I guess a lot of people, there's a lot of things that a lot of people would like to see. I mean, I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of evolution. If you s- sort of think about it, this new path of LinkedIn, it's like being a, a, star- a startup with 700 million users and you're trying to engage as many of them as you can. And you're trying to build as much engagement on the platform as possible when you know the platform wasn't really originally created for that. So your, your entire user base is not really accustomed to that purpose for your platform. So there's definitely going to be a lot of involve uh, a lot of focus on, you know, increasing engagement on the platform, you know, the prompts that they have when you when you, you know, get a message from somebody, things like that, like they want to have people on the platform engaging on a regular basis. Uh, So I think you're going to see a lot of things like that. I have to also give a shout out to Andy Foote, who is, you know, Mr. LinkedIn Insights. He is a, a phenomenal LinkedIn trainer. And he had a post recently that was like his predictions for the for the next year. He's put a lot, a lot of thought into the platform for probably a decade. He's got a lot of great insights. I think monetization will absolutely be a part of it. LinkedIn is part of Microsoft. The monetization is going to be important for sure. How they do it, I don't know. Uh, and I think there's definitely plenty of avenues in which they can sort of squeeze more revenue out of the platform for sure. I hope that they are able to maintain the integrity of the communication and the relationships that are on the platform. Because I think that's where most companies that are in the social space fail, that they sacrifice the authenticity of the platform and the relationships in, in, in exchange for the ad revenue. And so I think maybe the fact that LinkedIn has been around as long as it has and is part of a much bigger organization that has sort of a longer timeline and a longer runway will give them the unique ability to approach that really cautiously, take it the right way and make sure that they're balancing keeping people that are interested in the platform engaged and also making money at the same time. Okay. One final obvious question. Where can people find you online and HomeSnap as well? So uh, linkedin.com slash in slash link to Liam is my URL for my profile. Uh, LiamDarmody.co co is my website, just a personal website. And uh, the LinkedIn enthusiast page on LinkedIn is, is where I'm going to spend all my time nerding out about LinkedIn going forward. Awesome. This has been a great conversation. Like you, I'm totally all in when it comes to LinkedIn. Got, I've seen tremendous ROI this year and anybody who's not capitalizing on its potential is missing out on something really amazing. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Marketing Spark. If you enjoyed the conversation, leave a review and subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast app. For show notes of today's conversation and information about Liam, visit marketingspark.co slash blog. If you have questions, feedback, would like to suggest a guest, want to learn more about how I help B2B companies as a fractional CMO, consultant, and advisor, send an email to mark at marketingspark.co. I'll talk to you next time.